All right, Alexander, let's talk about a speech that National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan made, I believe, to the Brookings Institute, if I'm not mistaken. He made this speech a couple of days ago, but it seems like we're now just getting information about the speech or analysis on this speech. And uh, it's, it's a speech that's focused on economics, which which is interesting. And I never pictured Sullivan as someone who, who thinks in, in economic uh, terms. He's the national security advisor. Obviously, security and, and finance and economics are, are connected, of course. But uh, I've never heard him give this type of speech focused on finance and uh, economy. What, what do you make of, of this speech that he gave? I found it an extraordinary speech, a very, very bizarre speech indeed. And you're absolutely correct. I mean, this is not the kind of speech you would expect to come from the National Security Advisor. And I'm going to suggest why, uh, why, why Sullivan gave it, because it's not really about economics at all. If, when you drill down, he, he talks about how one particular, how, you know, kind of the previous economic system, you know, the globalised economic system, was about making every country in the world, you know, taming every country, making it part of the system, that the globalised system, and how one country in particular didn't play according to these rules, and that's become a sort of menace and a danger, and that, of course, country is China. And this thing is really all about China at the end of the day. It's not really about economics. Um, having said that, it is extraordinary speech. Um, First of all, Sullivan is not an economist. <laughs> That's absolutely clear when you read it. He's not somebody who understands economics or supply chains very well. It's somebody who's read a couple of articles about this. Uh, you know, read people like James Galbraith and you know uh, uh, other people like that. Read read a few of this, put it all together, made a speech out of it, and he talks about essentially um, an investment-led industrial strategy, repudiating the policies of the last 30 years, an end to globalization. He talks in this kind of way, that you know, the, the Washington consensus is over, the globalized economy is over. We must instead focus on rebuilding our domestic industries. We must have an industry first policy based on investment. He's very, very keen on, you know, promoting investment and development of the high-tech sector. He talks endlessly about chips, for example. He talks about building up uh, supply chains and essentially creating tariff barriers, a high wall around a small yard. Very odd things, which I don't completely understand even what he's talking about. Well, I'm going to say what it is. If you remember, when the Biden administration came in, Plan A was massive financial stimulus, spending on every conceivable project that was going to accelerate, turbocharge the US growth rate. And if you drill down, the intention was to catch up with and, if possible, even overtake China in terms of GDP growth. And what you and I said at the time, you, all you need to do is go back to our programmes in early 2021, 
we said that all that that would lead to was higher inflation, which is exactly what it did. That didn't work. <laughs> we didn't get higher growth. China's growth rate this year is much higher than the US growth rate is this year. So we now try plan B. We've now realised the Ukraine war has exposed how important it is. We realise how our industry is hollowed out. Interestingly, Sullivan himself uses that word. He says that the US industrial base has become hollowed out. So what we're going to do is we're going to rebuild our industrial base. He doesn't explain how that's going to happen. He doesn't give anything remotely approximating to a real plan. He refers to a paper that someone else has produced, but again, it's clearly that this isn't a plan, anything really thought out there. What it all amounts to is lots of money going to particular sectors of the economy. Ultimately, I suspect most of it will end up with a military-industrial complex. More money, if it's all going to be spent on a small range of products with higher barriers, tariff barriers all over the place. That's all, all that's going to lead to is goods, goods shortages because you're not importing things at the rate that you need to and higher inflation. <laughs> so it's another way of getting more inflation into the economy, even if Sullivan himself doesn't understand it. But that, that's what he's going to do. If you really want an industrial policy, you would go about it in a completely different way. You would, first of all, want to build up a political consensus behind it. That, that means talking to your adversaries, not going on all the time about you know, how terrible MAGA is and what a threat to democracy it is. You'd need to reach out, build a consensus, because logically this is something that has to be carried out over many administrations. You're not going to just do it overnight. You'd have to bring in companies, you'd have to get engineers together, you'd have to get some kind of planning system worked out. This would be a project, for, as I said, for decades. But that's obviously not what Sullivan understands. He wants to do it all in a hurry, four years in. So, so 20 years in four or whatever the famous slogan from Brazil was back in the 50s. That, what that produced was, some people said, 20 years inflation in four. And this is exactly what this is going to do as well. Yeah, what worries me uh, with this speech from Sullivan is that uh, he was one of the, the main forces that drove the, the, the conflict in, in Ukraine, that, that pushed for this proxy proxy war in Ukraine, and not only the, the, the military war, he was one of the, the drivers behind the, the economics shock and awe sanctions war as well. Uh, do you see Sullivan as being the driver behind something similar with, with China, whether it's a military, economic, or both? Well, this is exactly what this is all about. As I said, this speech is really about China. It's about competing with the Chinese manufacturing colossus. He's understood now that manufacturing mat matters. So he's gone out, he's culled all these various articles, as I said, people like, from people like Galbraith and uh, Stiglitz and, you know, Robert Reich and all those people. He's put it all together. He's come up with this very incoherent speech. And 
what it's all leading up to is take on China, ultimately perhaps impose a blockade on China. We're not going to be as dependent on China as we were. So if Chinese goods don't reach American markets, that won't be a problem because we'll have rebuilt our industrial base and we'll have done that presumably by 2025 or 2027 or whatever date um, Sullivan has chalked in as the moment for the showdown with China. It's all, That's all it's about, ultimately. It's not really about, as I said, changing America's economic system. And you're absolutely right. The, the administration is even more fixated with China now than it was with Russia, to a dangerous extent, that they are seeking a confrontation with China. And this half-baked speech <laughs> is a half-baked plan to prepare for that confrontation economically. Yeah, I have to say that, that Sullivan giving a speech like this to me signals that uh, much of the of, of these these DC warmongers are are kind of tired of of the Ukraine project. It's, it's almost like you know they're they're, they're tired of this uh, of, of dealing with this thing. Let's 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 move on to something else now. Yeah, no, well, that's you exactly. know that's kind of the sense that I'm getting. That okay, we. We were doing this and that in Ukraine. Okay, it didn't quite work out, or whatever. Let's let's now move on to the next to the next thing because this one looks even more interesting. Yes, this is exactly what it is. And uh, you know, I mean, Ukraine hasn't worked out quite as we expected. The Russians proved more resilient than we thought. Uh, um, the economy there didn't quite collapse. Um, the victory wasn't achieved on the battlefield. So you know, we still got to carry through our grand plan, whatever that is, you know, secure U.S. hegemony for the indefinite future. And so we'll take on the Chinese. And we've, got, we, we've got this huge navy. We can blockade China, bring it to its knees because they depend on all these imports of, you know, um, of, you know, commodities, food, oil, all that. And at the same time, We'll, big, we'll build up our industrial base and we'll see that off. And of course, we don't really consider what war with China means or, or, or what its implications would be. And we don't really take into account any possibility that the Chinese might be listening to what we're saying and might be preparing for it. And of course, the Chinese will be reading Sullivan's speech, just as they read Janet Yellen's speech the other day, which was even... Every bit is crazy, by the way, in my opinion. And anyway, they're going to, and you know, they're going to be making the taking precautions. They're going to be preparing for this confrontation, which they see is only round the corner. So, how how is the U.S. economy? I mean, another bank? Yeah, First uh, Republic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to say it, it's. I, I get the sense that we have a festering crisis building up in the financial system because of these increased interest rate, these in interest rate increases. Um, but also, I suspect we're also now starting to shift towards a recession. 
There's two reasons why I think this. Firstly, I mean, I, I'm not a person who reads all the numbers, but apparently lots of uh, figures now for money supply, falls in money supply, are pointing to uh, a recession coming. And we see what looks like falls in some of the PMI figures. And they seem to be pointing towards a recession. The other thing that I think points to recession is that oil prices, despite OPEC plus cuts, are remaining soft. And that suggests to me that people are not buying, you know, oil because they expect um, oil consumption to fall rather than rise. And the reason they must expect that is because they expect a recession is on the way. So it looks to me like we're probably heading heading towards a recession. These interest rate increases, which were triggered first by that massive overspend in 2021, then by the sanctions war in 2022 and the inflation that the first caused and which the second prolonged and made worse. So these interest rate increases are having the effect, not so much perhaps of bringing the inflation rate down, but of undermining um, the economy and bringing about a recession in the economy and exposing the cracks in the financial system. By the way, in that speech, Sullivan himself spoke about cracks in the economic system. Though he didn't really explain what they were, but they're clearly cracks in the financial system. There's clearly excessive indebtedness and there's liquidity problems. There's already talk of a credit crunch. And, you know, we could be seeing recession in perhaps in the autumn, winter, which, by the way, if it happens, I would have thought would be very, very bad news for the Democrats and for for Biden going into the 2024 election. Yeah, that's why they're going to do everything in their power to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. There's going to be heavy pressure on the Fed, I think, especially after the First Republic affair. The First Republic affair is interesting because it suggests that those problems in the banking system that we saw in March are still there. There's clearly more banks involved. If you go back to the 2008 crisis, which I'm sure you remember, um, the problems in the banking system first surfaced in the summer of 2007. And we had a number of small banks or smaller banks fail or run into problems over the course of 2007, early 2008. But it didn't look like we were, have, we were heading towards a systemic crisis in the financial system. And then suddenly, like an earthquake, it took place in the autumn of 2008. And it's starting to look as if that pattern is beginning to repeat itself. We have problems with one smallish bank here, another smallish bank there. It hits a bigger bank, Credit Suisse, and the 2008-07 crisis, the credit crunch, the problems there also affected some European banks. In fact, they started in 2007 with the French banks, as I remember. And then suddenly you get this tsunami or vast earthquake uh, um, and it becomes clear, it becomes clearer that these problems were much more systemic than it seemed to be the case at the beginning. And I, I think this is 
starting to look like the same thing. We also know, by the way, that in 2007, the US economy was already in recession. It was in recession before people fully understood that. It took going back over the statistics later to, for people to understand this. And I wonder whether the same isn't the, the case now, that the US economy may already be a lot softer than people realise might be in recession already with the interest rate increases, the fall, as I said, in money supply, the um, fact that um, we're seeing PMI figures going down, as I said, with all these problems in the banks. So perhaps a big recession, crisis on the horizon. I have to say, if that's what we see, we can forget about Ukraine. <laughs> Nobody's going to be interested in Ukraine in the US or indeed in Europe in that case. And um, probably the end of the Biden administration as well. He's not popular already. Well, His favorability ratings are what, down to 37%, pretty low. Nobody wants Kamala Harris as president. She's apparently going to be the vice president still. They haven't come up with anyone else. So I think in that kind of situation, if we see a big recession, who is going to vote for Joe? I wouldn't worry about anything, Alexander. Sullivan's on the case. Oh, Sullivan's got it all, all worked out. Yes, yes, yes. Wonder boy, golden Wonder boy, boy. Yeah. Jake Sullivan. All right. Oh, boy, okay. We'll uh, leave it there, thedurand.locals.com. We are on Rockfin, Rumble, Odyssey BitChute, and Telegram. Go to Durand Shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.